0: Good morning, everybody. How about that, Pastor Dave? (laughs) So if you're female and you're here today, you are significant. I just want you to know that. I also want you to know that I don't qualify for the Joy group yet, but it's an awesome group. Um, How many of you remember... The show, The Addams Family. Remember The Addams Family? <laughs> Not the movie. I'm talking. About, that was the '90s. I'm talking about the '60s sitcom, The Addams Family. If you were around for that strange little uh, sitcom, you of course remember it became iconic. If you I don't remember it if you're too young, like me. You maybe you saw it on Me TV. Um, no, I actually remember it. It's um, this weird show about this odd family. Uh, the husband and father is Gomez. The mom is Morticia. They had two kids, Pugsley and Wendy. Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. right? Wednesday. Um, And this weird cast of characters, um, you may remember the butler who was? Lurch. Lurch. Remember Lurch? Yeah, six-foot-nine, creepy Lurch, and um, Cousin It. The weirdest for me, the weirdest character of all, though, was Thing. Remember Thing? Thing was a disembodied hand living in a box, I'm embarrassed to tell you that I researched this, and uh, there's some things that you probably don't know about Thing. Did you know that Thing had a full name? Its full name is Thing T Thing, and the T stands for Thing. (laughs) Thing, Thing, Thing is its name. Um, Somewhere in the series, they introduced a female disembodied hand uh, that was given to the Adams family by their uh, British relative. So this disembodied female hand from England was lady fingers, of course. Right. Um, the hand itself, the actor who played Thing, who was the hand, was actually Lurch. It's Lurch. Aren't you glad you came this morning? <laughs> All stuff that you needed to know. Imagine... If you had a thing in your life, or a number of things, you could do very little with that. Because really, all Thing can do is hand you stuff. That was Thing's job in the show. The phone would ring, Thing would open its box lid, reach out, grab the phone, and just hold it to whoever there was there to, to take it from Thing. Periodically, Thing would open the box and hand them their mail, Um, or a newspaper, it was that kind of thing. So if you had a bunch of these in your life, it would be sort of like having a bunch of three-year-olds, you know? It's just, they'd all be handing you stuff. You'd be like, stop handing me stuff. No, I don't want that. Stop it. Stop. A thing, a disembodied hand, is what Paul is describing in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We just heard uh, a creative rendering of that. And I, wanted, I want to unpack this with you a little bit uh, this morning, this idea of the body of Christ that we are all a part of. Before I do that, though, let me just uh, do a quick reminder of where we've been in the series. This is the end of the series that we've been calling It's Personal, and we've been talking about the individual and how we are in relationship with Christ and he is in relationship to us. So we began this series by talking about our passions, or not not our passions, our pathways, the way that you most naturally connect with God. And we talked about seven pathways. Not that this is an exhaustive list, but it's a pretty good list. And just as a reminder of the uh, seven pathways that we identified, there is the intellectual pathway, the relational pathway, the serving pathway, creation, worship, contemplative, and activist. These are ways that when you are involved in that, that you feel most connected to God, you are most hearing from God. And then we talked about passions. We talked about those things that get your heart beating a little bit faster. Those things that you care about in a deep and profound way beyond just your immediate family those things that you care so deeply about that you would be willing to make certain sacrifices for to advance a cause uh, or a group or an effort, you would even be willing, if need be, to suffer for that thing about which you are passionate. And then we talked about giftedness. Giftedness, those things that God puts in your life, wired, hardwired into your life that you do just naturally, instinctively. You may not even recognize it as something special and unique because it's so much a part of you that you just imagine that everybody acts and thinks that way and you're surprised to find out otherwise. So again, a couple of the gifts that were uh, identified, identified in Scripture... Uh, would include things like compassion or mercy, administration, teaching, leadership, craftsmanship, believe it or not, craftsmanship, wisdom, giving or generosity, evangelism. These are gifts of the Spirit, things that you just do naturally. The one thing that we haven't necessarily talked about, but these things kind of help form that, is personality, that uniqueness that is you. So when you take your... Pathway and your passions and your personality and your giftedness, all of that is woven together into the person that is you. You are utterly and completely unique. No one is like you. No one has ever been like you. No one will ever be like you again. You are utterly unique. The Bible describes it as being fearfully and wonderfully made. That is you And your life matters to God and matters for eternity. You are created in the image of God for a purpose. And all of that, your pathway and your passions and your personality and your gifts, all weave together to make you who you are. It's deeply personal, but it's not Private. It's deeply personal, but it's not private. You were created to be in relationship. We were created to be in relationship. And as followers of Christ, we were called into this corporate body. And when we live in isolation, either by ourselves or isolated in that we only hang out with people who have our same pathway, our same passion, our same giftedness, we become a thing. Not complete. So with that in mind, I want to go back and I want to read um, a different translation than what we just heard of that Same scripture, it's from the first letter to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians. It's the 12th chapter and I wanna read a couple of sections um, right now. So verses 12 to 14 and then verses 18 to 21. Um, So give this a listen and the words are on the screen. The human body has many parts But many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one Spirit, and we all share the same Spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. Verse 18. But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Now, I love the imagery of this passage of scripture. I love it for its clarity, I love it for its simplicity, I love it that it is enduring. It was written 2,000 years ago and it's still relevant today, right? People 2,000 years ago had bodies, we still have bodies today. And so what the Apostle Paul was trying to communicate is that our Strength lies in our unity and our diversity. Our strength in Christ lies in our essential unity. We are one body. We're one body made up of many parts. We are a unity within this great diversity. And when you have unity without diversity or you have diversity without some unifying idea or principle or spirit, you end up with thing. We are Christ's church. Together. And together we make up his body. And so when you have people who are um, only hanging out with like minded people who have similar giftedness and similar passions and so forth, you miss out, we miss out on the value of our diversity. My brother um, was sharing with me a few years ago about his church, and uh, they uh, had a new pastor, so they were uh, looking for a pastor for a while, and they they found this guy, and they were very excited about him. Uh, he was coming out of a foreign mission ministry somewhere, I think, in Latin America, and uh, so they had interviewed him and so forth, and so they, they brought him on as their pastor. And they loved this guy, he had great heart and great passions and so forth. But his whole focus was on missions, foreign missions. And so all he talked about and all he cared about and his entire focus was on foreign missions and he believed that that was the whole purpose of the church and he would quote scriptures that would, uh, were specific around that kind of thing, You know, go into all the world and make disciples, we need to go out into the world. And while they loved his passion for it, they said, you know, but there's more, right? Aren't, isn't there supposed to be more than, than just that? And and he couldn't hear it. He was all about this passion and taking teams to these various countries and so forth, and they would have great experience. But my brother said, you know, what was going on back at the home church was that things were beginning to unravel, like there was no real care for people going on. There was no real teaching going on within the church because of the pastor's passion for these uh, other things and the church really began to decline. And so eventually they, they had to make a change. They still loved this guy, but, but his focus was so narrow that the only people who fully identified with what he was trying to do were people who had the same passion. The church cares for people everywhere not just in one place. And so this passion became a deficit because it failed to recognize the necessary diversity within the church. So let me ask you the question, what is it that unifies the church? What unifies us? What is the unifying idea of the church? At Hope here, we talk about our vision, right? We talk about these three connections, connecting people to God through a growing relationship with Christ, connecting people to one another in um, uh, authentic Christian community and connecting the church to the world. They're kind of organizing uh, vision for this church. It's a way of saying we have this unity of purpose. What about the church universal, Christ church around the world? Is there a unifying principle for the church around the world? And there is. I think the way that I would describe that would be, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, Who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the church universal. The communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. That embodies the unity of the Christian faith. Those are the essentials, if you will, of the Christian faith that have been for 2,000 years. We have these unifying ideas, these unifying beliefs, and we have the unification of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ that lives and moves and dwells in us. That's our unity. That's who we are. Jesus put it even more simply, really. Jesus said you can sum the whole thing up this way. Love God with all you've got. Love your neighbor as yourself. And come, follow me. These are the things that unify us. Within that essential unity, then there is diversity. How do I live, how do you live into your faith. What does it look like to live into your faith? And how do you plug in? Because you see, with that belief, you know, we can have that, you can have that belief all by yourself, right? Yes, I believe those things. Amen, we're on the same page. Yes. I have my pathway that I connect with God good. I've got my passions. It's great. I've been gifted. That's great. Now the question is, how do you plug in? How do you plug in? How do you play a part in the work of the Holy Spirit that is taking place in and through this church that you're a part of? because until you do, you're sort of like thing. You're just a hand or a foot or an eye or an ear existing by yourself. It isn't until you plug in that you become part of this living organism, this body of Christ that we're called to be a part of. Now, one of the beautiful things about this church has always been the number of people who do just that, who plug in, who find a way to use their gifts, their talents, their abilities, their passion, their time, their talents, their resources, whatever those are, to plug in to this place. You here are living a legacy of people who before you did that kind of work. We wouldn't be here without the efforts of folks like that over the 27 years that this church has been together. And that continues to this day. The 80-20 rule has never applied here. You know, that rule of 80% of the work done by 20% of the, of the people has never been the reality of this place. That's part of the strength of this church. But it takes people who plug in. So many of you here, I'm sure, are plugged in. What I've discovered over the years is that people who struggle to plug in struggle with things like, I I don't know enough to do something here. I I don't have that kind of faith to plug in here. I'm afraid I'll... Screw up if I plugged in here. I'm afraid people will get to know that maybe I have some doubts. Maybe I won't be accepted. So it's all of these kinds of fears that keep people, and and here's the other fear, honestly. I'm afraid I'm really going to love it, and then I'm going to become a church person, and nobody wants that, right? Right? So what I want to say is that part of the reason that this church has been able to bring people in who had all of those same doubts and fears is because we recognize those who are in positions of of responsibility, recognize that our biggest job is to help people just like that find their way to connect. That's why we're here. Not here to judge, not here to uh, evaluate and so forth. We're here to help people to discover the way that God wired them up to serve and to help them find ways to plug in. And maybe it won't be here, but maybe it will be in ministry areas beyond here that we're aware of and support. But until you're plugged in, you're sort of like thing, right? You may be a hand, but you're in a box. You need to be part of a body. So, if your fears are, if your concerns are, I wouldn't know where to begin. Here's a couple of suggestions go to somebody here at the church and say exactly those words. All right. I'm supposed to help out. I don't know where to begin. I have no idea what my gifts are. I have no idea what my passion is. Do me. <laughs> right. Help me figure this stuff out. There isn't a person on this staff or a volunteer leader who wouldn't love to have that conversation with you. Because finding that is so life-giving. And the more folks that we have involved, the healthier this church becomes. It really does. So one of the ways is to just go to somebody and say that. Another way is to just say yes when something comes up hey, we need some help uh, doing, you know, we're going to do something out in Marlton. Uh, We've got this, you know, table we're going to set up and so forth. All right, I'll do it. I don't, you know, yes. Hey, we need some help. Yes. Just say yes. You may find that you'll meet some people, make some connections there, and begin to find your way in to something that you really care about, that you really are interested in doing. That's how it works. There's a guy named Andy, who has been leading a um, AA group here for years, years. Didn't come, doesn't come to this church. Never has doesn't go to church at all, um, but leads an AA group here, and uh, we've gotten to know him just because you know we run into him and so forth. And um, we began to talk to him just in casual conversation when we'd see him as he was getting ready for his group to meet uh, that we were going to be starting this new campus in uh, in Mount Laurel, and uh, he was curious about that, and so we talked about church in the box. You know, we're going to have this trailer, and we're going to have to unload it and set it up, and. And uh, so the first day where we had the dry run to practice pulling all the stuff out of the trailer and setting it up, Andy showed up. And he said, you know, I was was a roadie for rock bands. So I know something about this. And so I thought I'd just, you know, maybe I could help out. Great, that'd be awesome. He said, yeah, you know, I can show you guys some stuff and, uh, you know so I'll come for the next couple of weeks andy has not missed a sunday since we started he is there he's there more than pastor rick <laughs> right and it started with just saying yes i can do that we love this guy and what he's able to do as and he's discovered like they accept me you know like they're not just I get it. So if you go to Mount Laurel, you'll have the opportunity to meet Andy. It's all about just beginning, right? Some of the best stuff that has happened here over the years, some of the ministries that are going on right now are going on because somebody said, you know, wouldn't it be cool if we had a group to do X and they said those words out loud, right? And the answer that you get when you say something like that is that's a great idea. Wanna help? If the answer is no, then you're just talking right? That's just a pipe dream. If you're saying, I think there ought to be a group like this. And we say, that's great. Do you want to help get it started? And you say, yes, then we can, then we've got a thing to work on. This joy group that, that we were talking about this morning is a group just like that. There's a couple of folks who came to me and said, you know, we love this church. We love what's going on, but wouldn't it be cool if there was a group for seniors? There isn't anything like that here. And I said, do you want to help? we'll help. Okay. And we began to meet and dream and vision. What would a group like that look like? And began to plan. And now it's, it's a, it's a group that's meeting. They've had two or three meetings a year from now. Here's the thing. A year from now, there's going to be somebody here who found their way here because of the joy group. Somebody invited them to the joy group And they're going to meet people there and they're going to create some friendships there and they're going to have a good experience there. And and maybe they'll show up on a Sunday morning and they'll have this new experience of worship here. And maybe they'll plug into a small group. Or maybe they'll have gifts and talents and will start something else. Maybe they'll get involved with our youth ministry. Uh, Pastor Rick and Pastor Dave will tell you that one of our most effective volunteer youth leaders was Bob Jones, who started with the youth ministry at 75 years old. He joined the youth team at 75. At 80, he was still going on their week-long mission trips, hanging out in a van with a van full of high school students at 80, right? It's not about your age. It's not about your experience. He never worked with kids before. I was a little scared, because Bob was kind of a grumpy guy. And I'm thinking, man, these kids are going to hate this guy. We did Bob Jones' funeral here when he died at, uh, well into his 80s. And two-thirds of the people who came to his funeral were under 20 years old. It's not about your age. If you're sitting there thinking, that's a bygone day for me, I'm too old to do all this stuff, you've checked out, and you need to check back in. Not just checked out of church, you've checked out of life if you think you have nothing to give. So, there's a scripture that I want to close with. It's from Matthew's Gospel. I have 15 seconds. Wow. I'm going to take a few more minutes, Okay. So band, get ready. You guys are going to come back up. Band. Um, No, I thought that was great. So Matthew 25, uh, Jesus told a story, a parable. It's a parable. It's one of my favorites now. It's the parable of the talents. A guy, a landowner was going to be leaving for a long time. And so he called his servants together and he gave each one of them talents. It's really just something of value. So silver, gold, something of value. And uh, to one he gave five, to the other he gave uh, two, and to another he gave one. And he went away for a long time. When he came back, he brought those three servants back together. The one who had five said, you gave me five, I invested what you gave me and I'm returning to you 10. And the master said, well done, good job, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a little, I can now trust you with more. He did the same thing with the one who he gave two now gave him four. Same reaction. Well done. You were trustworthy with a little. Now I can give you more. The one who was given one came and said, you know, I was afraid to use it because I was afraid I was going to mess it up. And so I just buried it away. So now I'm returning it to you. And the master was furious. You wasted this talent that I gave you and rejected that one. I've often said, if I ever write a book, which I never will, if I ever wrote a book, it would be on a topic of my passion, one of my passions and and giftedness, which is leadership. And I would title the book, One Talent Leaders, because I feel like God gave me a little bit of talent in this area of leadership. I don't lead at the level that a whole lot of folks that I know lead at. I know, it's very upsetting to me as well. <laughs> uh, so, I, I took what he gave me and, and began to invest it, and began to try to grow that gift And keep doing that, and keep doing that, and keep doing that. And God keeps blessing, and God keeps blessing, and keeps blessing. Not me, but uses me to bless others. That's how talents work. That's how giftedness works. God gave it to you, not to bless you, but for you to be a blessing to others. How are you using your passions, your personality, and your gifts to bless others. So I'm going to invite the band now to come on up and bless us with your talents. You know, the music stuff, that's obvious in terms of how, you know, somebody who's got a gift um, and a talent, um, but there is so much more that goes on that's, that you don't see, you know, on a Sunday morning necessarily. So much more that goes on that, Uh, requires people of talent to be a part of.